I wanted to just start by saying this, that there are times when we come together and you'll hear a sermon, you'll hear a teaching, and you will go away thinking, wow, I liked what I heard, but what do I do with that? You ever done that? You ever been in a place where you think, that sounded really good, but you find yourself not applying it because you don't know what to do at times? I've been there. I've even shared sermons that I've gone away thinking, what do I do with that? Today I wanted to share an account that comes out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. It's going to be the story of Bartimaeus. It's a captivating story about someone who was beside the road. They felt like they had been pushed beside the road, maybe. Passed by many, many times by people as they went on about their life. Maybe that resonates with someone here. Maybe you feel like you have been beside the road for quite a while. And you're watching as things go by. Feel like you're unnoticed. You're right there in plain sight. But why don't people see me? Why don't they see what I'm going through, where I am? You may feel like opportunities have passed you by. You've seen some relationships that have gone, moved on. It can leave you questioning who you are. Is it me? What did I do? I'm not good enough. And so you sit there, and the enemy's chirping in your ear, and he's saying, watch, as everyone goes to do great things, and here you are. Watch, they're living out their God dreams, and look at you there. You need to understand right now that God can move in this place. Whatever spot you're in right now, God can begin to move. And it's time to get the courage to pull away from the roadside. If you have ever been along the freeway and you've had to cut back out into traffic after you've been on the roadside, you know that that's unnerving. Spiritually, it can feel the same way. I'm in this spot and I need to begin to pull out. I need to begin to go in the direction God wants me to go. This story from Mark chapter 10 is about Jesus pausing along the road, getting off the freeway, if you will, for someone. As the weather gets warmer, I call it Jeep therapy that happens. And the top goes back on the Jeep, and I spend a lot of time on Route 90 between Vrooman Road and Center Street. And Center Street and Vrooman Road. And there are times that I get on the freeway and I squeeze right into traffic and it's just so tight, the traffic, that I'm going where they're going. I'm going the speed they're going. There is no passing. There is no, you're just in it. Have you ever felt in your faith like that's where you are? You're just locked in. You're just going with the crowd. Well, here Jesus is surrounded by this great crowd. But the thing that I love about Jesus is that he always leads by example. If we believe that he's the living word of God, then I have to believe that when I pick up my Bible, that it has the answers to whatever I may be going through in life. That I need to find that example for that situation, for that problem, for what's going on, and I need to do what the word instructs me to do. There are times when you're going and you're doing things and you feel like God is redirecting you, you feel like God is interrupting you. When it comes to the story of Bartimaeus, though, The interruption that would happen this day was life-changing for him. And so as God's people, you need to understand when it seems like an interruption, you need to pause there because God's going to do something. And he may rock someone's world right there if you will be obedient to pause. 
And so we look at this story. Why was it a pause? Why was it an interruption? Because it said Jesus was on his way from Jericho to Jerusalem. Now, the reason he was on his way there is because he was going to celebrate the Passover. This would be his last Passover here on earth. It would become known as the Last Supper. And so Jesus is walking along, and as he walks along, he's aware of everything that's going to go on. He's aware that very soon there will be the betrayal, there will be the arrest, there will be the false accusation, the beating, and ultimately a crucifixion. He knows all of these things. So much mission, so little time. And so as he's on this path that day, he can come up with about 10 reasons why he shouldn't pause. But he does. Mark 10, verse 46 says this. Then they came to Jericho. Is Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Now, in Scripture, often when you find people who were in need of a touch from the Lord, they were just referred to maybe as a beggar, as a blind person, as a lame person, as a leper. And that says something to me. He's called out by name, which tells me that after he would receive a touch from the Lord, he did not stop there. And there are times spiritually where all we are looking for is what God can do for us, and we stop there. God, I'm in need. Meet my need, and I'll stop there. But looking at this example, this man who was called by name, oh, you're going to hear this name again. You're going to hear this name again. He did not go quietly after he received a touch from the Lord. During that time, children were such a blessing. Infant mortality rates during Bible times were dismal. So as a family would learn, they were going to have a child. There were all these hopes and dreams attached to what was going to go on. And when Bartimaeus is born, he didn't have vision. And in cultures at that time, a disability, an impairment, it was seen as an indictment against a family. Often it was seen as a revealing of hidden sin in a family. That's how the people around would view it. And so Bartimaeus, he grew up on the side of the road in a lot of ways. He grew up marginalized. He grew up never being a part of what other people did. So disappointment was pretty routine for him. Maybe you can relate. Maybe disappointment is part and parcel of your faith. When you begin to find yourself in a place where you're looking around and everyone else has a walk, but you are struggling just to put one foot in front of the other, the enemy's going to start whispering. When he does, he wants you to devalue yourself. He wants you to start that negative self-talk. He wants you to begin to tear yourself down in any way that you can because it makes his job easier. That's a foothold. He will begin to tell you that your value, your value, it exists in things outside of God. Oh, you know why you feel incomplete? You feel incomplete because you need a better job title. You feel incomplete because if you had that relationship, you're incomplete if you had that degree, if you had that other degree, if you have this certification, this ordination, this higher rung on the social ladder. 
if you just got that house, if you just moved into that neighborhood, if you just got that vehicle, just got that hot tub, that outfit, that vacation. If I do this, then I'll be complete. That's how he wants you to begin to think. On the other side of that, there are the do nots. What's that? Well, I do not speak in front of people. I'm sorry, God. I just don't. You know that. You created me. I do not have people over to my house because they might have kids. And the kids might break my precious moments. I do not go out to eat with people. Just don't. I don't like that at all. It's so awkward. I do not. I do not share my testimony because it's personal. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And that's the point. So we can come from a place of do and do not. And what happens there is that we assign value based on that. And I'm going to ask you, what does God say about you? Because God's passed all the do and do nots. For Bartimaeus, here's how it goes. Value makes all the difference in his story. In verse 47, it says, when he, being Bartimaeus, heard that Jesus was coming, when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, we hear all the time that something's going on, but he takes it a step farther, and it says he shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Don't stop at just hearing what God is saying. Take it to the next level. Why is it important? Because this man was born without sight, but he had hearing. And he was going to use what he did have instead of sitting there looking at what he did not have that could have been an excuse for moving forward. What does God say? What does he say that you have? What has God said that you know that you know in your heart he has told you, but the enemy every day tries to convince you is not real? What has God said? Because too much time spent looking at what you don't have will lead you to a place where you forget what you do have. Paul in Romans 12 said this. He said, you all have gifts. Every single one of us has gifts. He said, if your gift is to prophesy, then prophesy in accordance to the faith. If it's to serve, will you serve? If you're called to teach, then you teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If you're called to lead, do it diligently. If you are called to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Well, here's a secret that Paul just let you in on. There is a list of things in life that you can do, that God has given you to do. And there are things you might not be able to do. And you know what? That's okay. Because that points right there to why the church family is so important. Because when I come in, I come in with a skill set. I can't do it all. Everyone comes together with a skill set. I was saying before, you ever just sitting around and I'm just thinking, I thought of you guys. I thought of Kathy. Like you ever just want like that soup or that dish at home and you have that ingredient list, right? And you're like, Jeff, let's make this soup. And you're going through the cupboard, and you're like, got this, check, 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 check. And then you don't have, like, that one ingredient. And you're just like, oh. That's what it's like in a church when you are not a consistent part of the body. When the Holy Spirit wants something to happen, and he gets out in the pot, and he's ready to stir. He's like, okay, throw that in, throw that in, throw it. And you have nine-tenths of what it takes to make it incredible. 
Be in God's house. Be consistent in God's house. Be using your gifts in God's house. Be available. Because I'm telling you, in the end, it will make all of the difference. There is a place, and it's nearby. It's called Hale Farm and Village. It's a type of place my mother would love. I'm not my mother. Uh, it is a historic village, and when I was in school, it was the kind of field trip I did not know what to make of. There were two things that held my interest. One was a blacksmith. The other one was a glassblower. I read this story about a glassblower, and I'm going to tell it to you. There was a glassblower, and he was working in his shop, and it was a place similar to a hail farm and village, and he had a table, and on the table, there were several beautiful vases. You may say vase, I say vase, tomato, tomato. The people were gathered around, and they were watching as he began to blow glass, as he began to make these creations. As he did this, he takes that orange ball of molten glass out. He begins to blow into the end of this metal tube, and he's spinning it. And as he does, something starts to take shape, and everyone standing there is looking at the table, and you know what they're thinking he's going to make, right? It's a vase. It's a vase. And as he is spinning that, everyone is so quiet in the room that suddenly you hear, snap. Everyone heard it. This master glassblower, he's just messed up. There's a fracture in this glass, whether it was from the sudden change in temperature, maybe an impurity in the glass, but something happens here. And he turns to the crowd and he says something. He says, sometimes you look at something and you may think that it's going to be a vase. But what you realize is that's not actually what the piece was intended to be. And as he turns it, he takes this tool and he cuts just below that fracture that happened. And that piece falls off and it shatters in the floor. And then he begins with another tool to spin and he puts a little wave in this. He puts a little dye on it takes some metal flex, and he puts on that. And as he does this, everyone begins to see what's happening. He makes the most beautiful bowl you can imagine. And as he does this, I'm reminded of something. That if you went into a gift shop and you saw that bowl, you may say, wow, that's a beautiful bowl. If you did not know the context of anything that went on there, you may not be shaken at all by it. But someone sitting here, what you need to understand is that there are several people who look at you and think you are a masterpiece. There are people who look at you and think, I have such respect for you because I see your walk. There are people who look up to you and look to you for guidance. But some of us here can't see that because all we can hear is the snap that happened. We stopped seeing ourselves as a thing of beauty or a creation in Jesus Christ because we heard the snap. And it's almost like the spiritual breaks went on at that point. You're saying to yourself, I was supposed to be a vase. My marriage, it was supposed to be a vase. I was supposed to have the picket fence, the 2.5 kids. I was supposed to live in that subdivision. I was supposed to have that minivan. I was supposed to be happy. I was supposed to... And then, crack, something happens. And you say to yourself, 
It'll never be the same now. It's never going to be a vase. Maybe it's in business. Maybe you're thinking, I was going to be promoted. I was going to move up in the company. I was going to be successful. Everything's going great. Then you get that message, hey, I need to see you a minute. Snap. Sky falls. Maybe it's in church. Maybe you showed up every Sunday for six months straight, and it was going great, or swimmingly, as people say. I like when they say that. You were feeling the love. There was no church drama. Everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, something's done that you don't like, that you don't agree with. Someone does not greet you as warmly as you think they should. Someone does not inquire about the moss collection that you have whatever it may be for you, and crack, I'm out of here. That noise, though, do you know what it is? It can very well be the moment that God is reminding you of your value in him and not in circumstance, and not in where you are, and not in the things that the world would say are so important. We get so focused on the things that have happened that we remain there, and our worth and our value become about that fracture. Our worth and our value stay right there. We don't see the truth that's right in front of us, and the truth is, what does God say about me? What does God say about me? He says that all along he's been taking things. He's been working them out for my good. He says that I'm called according to his purpose, and so he's going to work things out, and I know it. It may not feel like it right now, and I may feel like I'm hearing the echo of that fracture, but God's doing things. It's actually the point where he's forming something new. Don't stay at the spot where you heard the snap. Paul let you in on that secret that we all have do's and we all have do-nots. I'm going to let you in on a secret. You may hear several snaps throughout life. May not seem fair. Some of us may hear snap more than others. Do not stop when you hear that. It says in verse 48, Many people rebuked Bartimaeus, and they told him, Bartimaeus, be quiet. These were people following Jesus on the road. Like, can you imagine church people not being nice? <laughs> you can laugh at that because it's true. But it said he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. There are going to be people in your life that when you go to take a step, spiritually or otherwise, they are going to be there to let you know exactly what your limitations are. The non-scriptural term is, haters gonna hate. True. They'll make it their mission to tell you why you cannot, why you cannot finish that degree. Well, you know what? You send them an invite to your commencement. In Jesus' name. There's people that will say, you're going to stay single forever. You send them an invite to your wedding. I spoke about those interruptions. Here was the thing. Jesus was not stopping to sit down with the whole crowd with Bartimaeus that day. He was passing through. There were places to go. And it didn't mean that he was being cold or insensitive. What it meant was that this was a God appointment, and it speaks to us. As he was passing through, he pauses. And the pause, it was meant for Bartimaeus. Like, what are you going to do with this, Bartimaeus? 
What are you going to do with this moment when Jesus is passing by? Your moment, your pause when Jesus is close, it may come right now, it may come this afternoon, it may come later this week. As you're sitting beside the road and you're, you're crying out for Jesus, Jesus, do something here for me, do something. I urge you to put into action those things that you have. Bartimaeus, not being able to see from birth, was using what he did have to lock into Jesus. And when he locked into Jesus, nothing would deter him. Start making small changes. Start making small changes. You can do that in so many ways. I was laughing, and yesterday I was thinking, if you did no exercise at all, and today you said, I'm going to take five steps. I'm going to take five steps back. That walk may not get me off the porch, but if I had five steps to that tomorrow, and five steps the next day, and five steps the next day, you may see me walking by church one day and be like, he's adding them up. Start small. Because God can do big things with small changes. It is time in faith to let go of the bitterness, the blame game. It is done with this place of spirituality, get relationship. It's time to move into a place you've never been before. I dare you to make a spiritual bucket list, to write things down that you want to see accomplished in Jesus Christ that you've never seen before that might be scary. And then take that up a little kick it up a notch, and take that and show someone who is going to hold you to account for it. Take it to your Christian friend who's going to be like, hey, remember on your list when you said you were going to start doing this? Well, let's start. Be brave. Pastor Nip always said, if you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always gotten. Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. There are times when spiritually, I'm straight up crazy. Because I'm thinking God's going to do something different when I'm just keeping the same actions. It's time to mix it up. It's time to go into new places. When is the best time to start? Starting today. Stop looking at the do nots and look at what you do have. Verse 49, it says, Jesus stood still when he heard him cry out. He commanded Bartimaeus to be called over. And so they called the blind man. They said to him, be of good cheer. Rise, he's calling you. It does not say there that the people helped this man over to Jesus. It says that Bartimaeus threw aside his garment. He rose and he came to Jesus. There are going to be people in your life that do not necessarily help you find Jesus, but they may serve as the starting pistol to your run to him. Sometimes God may take those people that have been the biggest discouragement in your life, and they may be the thing that points you directly to him. And so you can walk around thinking, oh, all this negativity, all this negativity. Maybe it is the path to your Savior. Maybe it is the path to the things all along that have been true, that have been honest, that have been just and pure and lovely. Understand that you don't always have to see the big picture in order for Jesus to see you. Bartimaeus heard and what he lacked in the moment he made up for by running toward what was true. The people who said, shut your mouth, he praised all the more in that minute. 
When it comes to faith, do you know what it really means? I heard this Stephen Furtick quote, and I loved it. He said, faith is remembering correctly. Remember who you serve and remember what he has brought you through and remember that he is not going to fail you now. As Jesus sees Bartimaeus, he calls him over and Jesus answers and says to him, he answered and said to him, Bartimaeus had not asked a question, but sometimes a statement of faith will bring an answer. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, Rabbi, I want to see And we would say, that should be so obvious. And there are times in our walk where it may seem obvious to everyone else, but there is something. And when you get face-to-face with the Savior, everything changes. When you know that Jesus Christ, who has not changed yesterday, will not change today and will not change forever, when he's standing in front of you, it's time to get real. And it's time to say, this is what I want from you. But when he says, Rabbi, that word, when you look it up, it's Rabboni. And with that word, what it means is this. It means master. It means my savior. It's used one other time in the Bible, and the time that's used is by Mary Magdalene when she had gone to the tomb and it was empty, and she happens to see this risen savior. And she cries out, and she uses that same term. And so what that says to me is that in that moment with Bartimaeus, The kind of faith that he had when he saw Jesus was the faith that speaks resurrection power over things that he has no idea what's going to happen. But in Jesus' name, he speaks it and things will begin to change. That is the type of faith that we need. That master, I know who you are. I know who you are. When you're in relationship, everything is made right. When you're in fellowship, everything changes. Everything, your parenting will change. Your marriage will change. And it all begins with that renewal. Going to end on a thought. Jesus said this in verse 52. He says to Bartimaeus, go your way, your faith has made you well. And it says, and immediately his sight was restored, and he got on the road, and he followed Jesus. He didn't just stop from getting something from this Savior, but he began to follow him in a way that he never had before. So today, as you sit here, Sometimes where we are in our walk is all just a matter of value. It's all just a matter of value. The fact that either I have allowed the world to assign value to me or I have assigned value in things that have been painful. Or you can allow Jesus Christ to assign value to you. Look at it in these terms. Where's that bottle, Liv? Bottle of water. What's that worth? If you go to Sam's Club, you get that bonus pack. I mean, what is it, like 30 cents a bottle? You can go to McDonald's, like a dollar. If you're at Disney, Disney World, $5, right? Last March, when everyone was like going crazy over toilet paper and bottled water, case would be like 50 bucks, right? How much would you be willing to pay if you were dehydrated for a bottle of water? Here, take it up. 
How much would you be willing to pay if your child was dehydrated for that bottle of water? What wouldn't you pay? Value in a business sense is what someone is willing to pay for something. I say that because a savior was willing to pay his precious blood for you. The value was everything that he had for you. And some people may look at us and they may say, who are you? Wouldn't give 30 cents for you. Jesus gave it all. I remind you of that because your purpose in the body of Christ and what he is calling you to do, it begins today in a new and a fresh way. If you'll stand, I'm going to pray.